Hello, I'm Major Adrian Allman. And I'm Captain Claire Allman. Welcome to the Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army podcast series. Birmingham Citadel is a Christian church located in Birmingham City Centre here in the UK. Each episode is a live recording of the Bible message shared during the Sunday worship service. It's good to have you share with us. And as you listen now, we pray that God will speak to you. May you know God's abundant blessing today. Scripture reading I wanted to look at this morning is John chapter 21. John chapter 21. It's a scripture reading we tend to pick only for post-Easter times, and then we don't delve into it at any other time whatsoever. It's that point where Peter is left um, on the shore post-resurrection, not knowing what on earth is happening. And Jesus comes and meets the disciples as they're fishing. And John chapter 21 picks this up from verse 1 onwards through to verse 14. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Canaan in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two of the disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord! And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off, and he jumped in the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised. Two passages of scripture this morning, both from John, one, the woman at the well, this one, the story of Peter. During the week, I thought to myself, our telly's broken. I was watching the telly. And as I was watching the telly, I must have picked it up during the advert break. And as the advert was on, there was no sound. I was watching these pictures, and there was no sound. I had Jonathan Ross looking at me. I had the, the detective lady. But then I realised there was words written on parts of the scene. And right at the very end, the man who was hosting Britain's Got Talent said, right, 
Now talk to each other. And I saw that it was actually an advert that they were introducing for mental health awareness. And what they were doing was actually saying, don't watch this advert. Actually, talk to other people in the room. Engage in conversation with each other. Forget watching us on the goggle box. Actually, do something about each other and talk to each other. Engage with each other. And I discovered this was part of the Britain Get Talking campaign. And it's all a plan to improve our nation's mental health. I've never quite understood when television companies tell us not to watch them. I had that when I was a kid. One of the favourite programmes I used to watch during school holidays was Why Don't You? But what was Why Don't You's message? Why don't you turn off the television set and go do something less boring instead? I couldn't grasp why the TV people were telling me to turn off the TV. But actually, I get it. They were encouraging us to do other things. If this campaign is talking about us getting us to talk to each other, it's about intimacy, isn't it? Last week I spoke about God showing us the depth of his generosity by wanting to have an intimate relationship with us. If you remember the four points I made, I talked about God's generosity being shown through his creation. I talked about it being shown by him giving us dominion over it. I've talked about his generosity being shown to us in the fact that he offers us forgiveness. And then I talked about his ultimate generosity being that he wanted to adopt us as sons and daughters. Forgiveness was not the end. There was more to it. He wanted to have the intimate relationship again that was originally in paradise God doesn't just generously forgive he restores that intimate relationship we're adopted as sons and daughters truth is we all long for a bit of intimacy don't we we all long for a bit of intimacy we want to be loved and in turn we want to love and human friendships bring a measure of what we're looking for And yet, at times, we also realize through our human friendships, they don't always deliver what we're looking for. You see, only in relationship with God can our need for true intimacy be met. I discovered the other day that in reading um, Eugene Peterson's message, one of the most favorite passages that people turn to in the message paraphrase, and that's what it is, it's a paraphrase, it's not a translation, He's taken contemporary language and tried to express the Bible in a way that we might understand. But he's done it in a clever way that we can relate to. And when people turn to the message paraphrase, they tend to go more and more for Matthew chapter 11. And what does Matthew chapter 11 say? It says this. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't let anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely 
and lightly. I can understand why people turn to that, because I think he's captured the mood of many people who are trying to work out faith in a busy world. I've read that many times from the message. I think the Territory used it for a commitment Sunday a few years ago. He's put it in such a phrase, a way that you want to answer him. Are you tired? Yeah, I am actually. Are you worn out? You're too right, I am. Burned out on religion? Yeah, I'm always at church. You're almost answering everything he says. Is it what Jesus intended us to be? So busy that we can't enjoy him? Of course it's not. One of my favorite little books is a book by Tony Horsfall called The Rhythms of Grace. And he says this in his book. There seems to be something lacking in our spirituality. For the way many of us currently practice the Christian life leads us more to activity than it does to intimacy. The way we currently practice our Christian life leads us more to activity than it does to intimacy. And as a result, many of us seem to endure faith rather than enjoy it, for it brings us increasingly into the busyness of the outer life and less and less into the vitality of the inner life I think a lot of people are there a lot of Christian people I often when I'm just trying to potter around the house I'll be met with a little phrase from the wife and it's always what are you doing nothing yes you are I can tell you are I know you by now and I get that same response what are you doing And my immediate response is, nothing. And I always get the same response back, yes, you are. I know you by now. And I do it with my kids all the time. What are you doing? Nothing. Yes, you are. I know you. You know, what are you doing? Nothing. This could have applied to Peter in John chapter 21. Jesus on the shore could have easily shouted out to him, Oi, mate, what are you doing? And he could have responded back, nothing. Because actually, that was so true. Peter was busy. He was immensely busy. But what was he actually achieving? There he was on the shore. No intimacy with anybody. He's a loner. He's in his own little dream world. He's got this sense of loss because he's heard that Jesus is resurrected, but actually he's not quite with it. And so what does the text tell us? In his lostness, in his aimlessness, he says, I am going out to fish. He has to be doing something. He needs to keep himself busy. And yet, there was no engagement with anybody And there was certainly no success in the task when Jesus, after a night's fishing ships, have you caught anything? Nothing is the response. Christian people always have a strong theology of work. We want to honor God through our busyness, don't we? 
especially in this Salvation Army of ours, we're constantly encouraged to be work, work, work. We engage in lots of it. We're very good at adding new things and not necessarily taking away things that don't work anymore. We just keep adding and adding. We actually have a strong desire to work. And unfortunately, the cry of our age is busy. People who ask me at the moment, how are you? We'll get the response, busy. How's work, Adrian? Oh, it's busy. Busy seems to be the cry of the age. It's possible to be very busy, but do nothing. Peter was proving that. When I was younger, I used to love watching Yes Minister. Yes Minister, Sir Humphrey, the civil servant in that office, always doing something, always eloquently spouting. But what did he actually do? Nothing. I was interested that in David Cameron's early time as Prime Minister of this country, he decided that there was too much red tape in Whitehall and then it had to be cut. Do you know what he did about it? He commissioned a report. Too much red tape, so what will we do? Tell you what, we'll commission a report. Busy doing nothing. And this was where Peter was that day. Busy doing nothing. What was he achieving? Nothing. Until Jesus called his name. Or called out to him. And there, by the fire, as he raced in from the boat, as he came to that side where the meal was being prepared, he would find that he would actually be busy whilst doing nothing. And what he didn't realise was he was achieving lots. You know, Jesus regularly sat doing nothing. When he met the woman at the well, what was he doing? Nothing. He'd rested up. He was busy on his journey home and he'd rested up. And yet in that place where he was resting, he was able to find ministry. The practice of Sabbath is something that God has given us. God allows us to do very little at certain times. In the very first week of time, God ordained that we should have a day when we stop our usual work. It was instilled into the very fabric of creation. It was given so we could rest and so we could delight in life. More importantly, it was given by God to lead us to himself. It was given so that we would have time to see God. We would have time to pour out our hearts to him. Time that we could silence all of the demands on our times. Time where we could be led to him, to his gracious gift of abundant life. Time when we could be led to his immensely generous heart. You know, when the church looks too much like society, we've got a problem. When the church looks too much like society, we've got a problem. And too often, church is as busy as society... There's no difference. You go and do your busy work, and then you come to church. 
Whoa, it's equally as busy. You know, Jesus was busy. He had towns to preach to, people to heal. He had three years to save the world. Three years to model a new spirit-filled relationship with God. He stayed up late, he got up early. Jesus was a busy man. However, he was a busy man with clear priorities. And so in order to achieve some of his prior, all of his priorities, he actually left things undone. And do you know what? We're allowed to do that. By the time Jesus was crucified on a cross, not everybody had been saved, you know. Not everybody had been healed. Not every demon-possessed person had had the demon removed. There were things left undone. Tony Horsfall in his book, his other book, Working from a Place of Rest, says this, I know from my own experience that when I slow down and I am most fully relaxed, it's easier to be aware of God and respond to his promptings. To be at leisure from myself and my preoccupations, even for a short while, can open the doorway to God's presence. Far from leading us away from God, leisure can draw us towards God by bringing us to a state where our spirits are sensitive to his voice. Do you know, this was the best environment that Jesus could have had to have this chat with Peter. They were doing nothing. They were having breakfast. They were sat. He was doing nothing. And yet in that conversation, in that environment, suddenly there was a place where Peter could be sensitive to the voice of the Lord. You see, doing nothing allows us to develop our whole being. When we sit back, when we reflect, that's when we discover self. That's when we can start thinking creatively. That's when we can start seeing new possibilities. Doing nothing isn't being lazy. Doing nothing is creating space for creativity. Doing nothing allows us to put back which the day has taken out. Peter got up from this chat with Jesus, totally re-energized. A bloke that had been wandering aimlessly up and down a beach, gone out fishing, doing the mechanics. This was a guy who was re-energized. Do you know one of the nice things I like about this story is I believe that doing nothing allowed him to rediscover his smile. Busy doing nothing. Actually, doing nothing, we can be busy. I want to finish with this. A few years ago, the Bishop of Reading, Stephen Cottrell, decided one morning he was going to go down to Reading train station. And he'd been on to Amazon, and he bought loads of egg timers. And he stood on the station platform in Reading Central Station. And as commuters were going to work, he just said to them, excuse me, you got a moment? Can I give you a gift? And he'd give them the egg timer. And they'd look at him rather blankly. And he'd say, I'm giving you the gift of time. Three minutes. And what he did, 
He suggested to all of these commuters that they should spend three minutes with this egg timer, turn it upside down, to be silent and still, and give themselves a chance to see life differently in that three minutes. And when he was asked why by one commuter, he said, well, it's simple, I believe that by learning to sit still, to slow down, and by discerning when to shut up and when to speak out, you learn to travel through life differently. There's a new and delight and purpose in the mundane and the ordinary things of life. Stopping and doing nothing very much is a good thing. For Peter, he was more easily aware of Christ. He was more open to his promptings. He was more able to rediscover him, himself. And in stopping, he opened the doorway to God's presence. Doing nothing, Peter became busy. And he found his identity again. When I was thinking of this morning meeting, songsters are away, youth councils, we're going to be down to a third of our congregation. Somebody said to me, he said, oh, I don't like these Sundays because there's no energy in the meeting. No energy. And I get where he's coming from. But then I thought to myself, does there have to be energy in every meeting we go to? Or can we not just learn to be busy doing nothing? And so this morning, I've created, I've tried to create an environment for me and for you where actually we are busy doing nothing. Because, you know, in doing nothing, we develop ourselves. In doing nothing, God puts back that which life has taken out. In doing nothing, we rediscover what life is all about. And so this morning, I invite you to be busy doing nothing. At this point in the meeting, normally the preacher just says a prayer. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and say your own prayer this morning. In the quietness. Just take a few minutes of quietness to say your own prayers. God, this morning we thank you that you've given us some time to be busy doing nothing. To just enjoy your presence. To just reflect on life. To just come to receive your strength and grace to replace that which life has taken out of us. But most importantly, to know you intimately in these moments. Teach us how to manage our time well. Teach us how to get our priorities right. That we just don't become so busy that we forget that actually 
Sabbath is an important God-ordained thing that we should do. And in these quiet moments that we take daily, come and meet us where we are and just be God. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. So you don't miss any further recordings, please subscribe to this podcast and also share and review it to help other people find and join our Birmingham Citadel online congregation. This has been a production for Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army in the United Kingdom. If you'd like to know more about us or want to worship with us, then visit our webpage at birminghamcitadel.co.uk.